Well, as you can tell, uh, Doug's not here, and uh, you're stuck with the sound guy again. Um, and of course, I come in last night and I checked the system out, and the internet's down, and we're having technical difficulties, so that's always fun. But it's going to be good. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are the king of everything and that you care for us to the point that you know every moment of our lives, Lord. That you know every small little detail about us. It says that you created our innermost being, Lord. And that you are willing to die and give your life for us still blows my mind. And I pray that as we come here and we that our focus would be on who you are, Lord. And I love that last song. Lord, I am a child of God. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So don't worry. I think Doug will be back next week with some limericks all ready to go for uh, Limericks and Luke. And uh, I'm not doing any more morsels from Matthew, so we're not going there. What's that? Oh, mouthfuls from Matthew, yeah. But I was thinking about what the message was going to be and about this week. And I started to think about, I like messages that are timely and that are relevant to what's going on. And for us, um, Alexis and Autumn are going to be baptized at Manitou um, on the Friday that we're going to be at camp um, cooking in the kitchen, which is kind of cool. And so I started thinking about that. And I thought way back, like way, way back there to when Jamie and I were baptized um, at Manitou. Um, and I started asking the question, why baptism? And so my title of a message today is, why baptism? When the girls and I and Jamie started to discuss and plan and start to think about, I started to think about my own experience. And so I'm going to describe my baptism. And just let you know, I was baptized in the fall, and it was a cold day, and it was windy, I think. And if Jamie was, when she was baptized, it was a cold, windy day. <laughs> the pictures from her is hilarious, because there's a picture of her standing this way, and one point her hair's going back, and the next point her, the hair's going completely forward as she's giving her testimony. And she has a friend there, and the same thing with her hair. So it was, it was cold. So a few things you need to know. Okay? First off, the pastor at our time, Darcy, um, he didn't like getting cold, and he doesn't like getting wet. He's a lot shorter than I am, and Manitou has a drop-off. That's the three things you need to know about my baptism. So at the time when I was being baptized, I started to give my testimony. And, you know, I went through what, you know, Jesus meant to me and why I want to be baptized. And doing all that was fine. And so before we made the long walk out, because Manitou Lake is it's shallow for a long time and then it just drops. I finished my testimony and I see Darcy there, our pastor, starting to take off his jogging pants and sweater which at first I thought was kind of a weird thing to be wearing to a baptism in the first place. You know, 80s workout clothes is, you know, not the trend in typical, you know, baptisms. 
But underneath, now, Darcy's a little bit pudgy, just so you know, too. He's wearing a full body wetsuit, like right to the wrists, you know, the full thing. And so all I could think of, and I almost started laughing out loud, was he looked kind of like a penguin, right? Because he's this short kind of round thing. And so then me and Darcy, we waddle out to uh, the, till the point where it's like past, you know, not just our knees, but we're actually there. Well, we're at the edge of the drop-off. Darcy's standing just there, and I'm literally balancing myself on the edge of the drop-off, which is a fairly steep incline, and I'm almost now at the same height as him. And so, you know, he says, I baptize you in the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as he goes down, I lose my footing, and I take him pretty much with me, and we had a great time. Anyways, I told you that story, they tell you this. As I started to think more and really wonder, why are we baptized? What's the meaning behind it? What was it like during the early church? What was it like actually in ancient Jewish tradition? Do we need to be saved to be baptized or does baptism save us? Who should be baptized? And do we really need to be baptized? And when should we be baptized? I started thinking about these things because I asked the girls when they started discussing baptism with us, like, well, why do you want to be baptized? You know you're going to have to give a testimony about it. So I want to start way back. you older than Jamie and I. And I want to look about back in the Jewish tradition. Now, when we look at Leviticus 15 and 16, we're not going to turn there, but it was used for ceremonially washing, a.k.a. self-baptism, for the cleansing of unclean or the preparation for the temple worship. This was an act of purification usually involved a sacrifice for the sin offering. In Leviticus 15, it talks about a whole bunch of reasons why you'd be unclean. And there was a various time you had to wait, and then you'd have to go give your sin offering, and then you would have to self-baptize or ceremonially wash to cleanse yourself. And in Leviticus 15, it talks about the high priest and his preparation to go into the Holy of Holies. And there is a whole list of things he had to do, including put a hand on what's called the scapegoat so that another priest would send it out in the wilderness so that if he was found with any little bit of sin, that maybe God would take the sacrificial goat instead of his life. Because you can't have any sin in the presence of God. So, it was a purification ritual that they would go through. In Isaiah 1.16, we read, Wash and make yourself clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. 
This was a ceremonial washing as a symbol of the spiritual cleanliness as an act of purification. Now, one thing as I was researching this, I found something really interesting, something I have never really heard before. But in the tradition and in the Jewish law, if someone was from the another nation and wanted to become part of the Jewish or become part become Israelite or if someone was adopting a kid who was not a Jew there was three requirements that they had to do first if it was a male they had to be circumcised second they would have to make a sacrifice at the temple a sin sacrifice and third, they had to be baptized by immersion in the presence of three witnesses. So, I'm going to say these words wrong, so please forgive me. In the sectarian group of the first century, known as the Essenes, Essenes, thank you, the Essenes, Baptism was apparently a common, repetitive experience. Now, who are these people? We know that they're responsible for the Dead Sea Scrolls. They were a group that kept themselves separate from the regular nation of Israel, and they focused in on studying scriptures. Many scholars believe that John the Baptist was a part of this group before he actually went into the ministry of baptism, before he was called by God to go and baptize them for the repentance of sin, this is where John spent most of his time. The interesting thing about the Dead Sea Scrolls is Isaiah, which is one of the books that prophesies more about Jesus than any other book, was found in its entirety in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And our scriptures are shown to be accurate and true because when they went back and translated it, it's the same as what we've had even after, in those 600 years we didn't have the Dead Sea Scrolls. Side note. <laughs> However, the mainline Judaisms, or Jews, John's baptism of repentance would have been humiliating for a natural child of Abraham to undergo the Gentile acceptance ritual. It should also be noted that all our baptisms in first century Jewish culture were self-administrated. Only John the Baptist was called for baptism, called for baptism involving his own evaluation and administration of the act of repentance. We read in Matthew 3, 1 and 2, in those days, John the Baptist came to the wilderness, to the Judean wilderness, and began preaching a message was, repent from your sins and turn to God. Later in Matthew 3, 6, we read, 
And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. Also in Matthew 3, verse 11, it says, this is what John was saying. At this point, the Pharisees are there, and he calls them a brood of vipers, and he goes off on a big tangent. We won't go there. Let's focus in here. But he says this, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So that's how baptism started. Baptism was, like we shown, was a purification ritual. It was also an indication of the clean, with the, uh, 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 a symbolic representation of being cleansed inside. But how about the church? What are the theological purposes of baptism? Well, baptism is an outward expression that shows what Jesus has done in us and for us, and it signifies the death to our old self and the resurrection as a new creation. We find these in the passages of Colossians 2.12, which reads, For we were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him, you were raised to new life because you trusted in the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Peter, in 1 Peter 3.21, says it this way. In 20, he's talking about how the flood destroyed the world. He says this, this water symbolizes baptism that saved us also, not for the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Romans 10, 9 and 13, we read this. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And as Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all the riches, richly blessed, rich, sorry, the same Lord is the Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For 
anyone who calls on his name will be saved. In the early church, baptism was the opportunity for a public profession or confession, and it was the mechanism of salvation. But it was occasion of the verbal affirmation of their faith. Sorry, let me read that again. It was not the mechanism of their salvation. But it was the occasion for them to verbalize their faith in God. Second, baptism is a public declaration of your new life. In Acts 8, 35 and 38, this is when Philip is talking to the Enoch. Is that what it is, Enoch? Yeah. Eunuch, that's it. Thank you. I know I was saying it wrong. Okay, that's why my wife is here to correct me. Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came along some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot, and then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Third, baptism represents three things. Death, burial, and resurrection. Death, specifically Jesus' death on the cross, which allows us to be freed by his blood that sacrificed for our sins. In Revelations 1 and 5, it says, He who loves us has freed us from our sin by his blood. The burial of Jesus is represented by the going down in the water. Jesus was buried for three days. And the resurrection is represented by when we come out of the water. We are raised in Christ just as Jesus was raised from the dead. So we could also live a new life. Your body is submerged and then lifted out of the water as a symbolization of resurrection. In Romans 6, 4, and 5, we read, We therefore are buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. For if we have been united with him in death, we certainly also will be united with him in his resurrection. One of the last reasons why the church baptizes 
Because the last thing that Jesus said in Matthew to his disciples, we call it the Great Commission. Before he ascended to heaven, he told them this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of age. So you also get baptized, because I don't know about you, but I'm assuming that the last thing he tells his disciples before going to heaven was fairly important. I mean, if that's the last thing you're going to say to someone, I'm pretty sure it's not like, don't forget to feed the, the cat. You know, it's, it's, it's a command that we must follow. But I'd like to take a moment right now and do some comparisons between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Especially when it comes to us Gentiles becoming members of the body. Now, if you remember, there's three requirements to become a Jew in the Old Testament. Circumcision, sacrifice for sin, and baptism. For circumcision, in the Old Testament, it was only for the males. And we won't get into the gory details, but if you want to get into Deuteronomy and Leviticus, you can read all about it. But in the New Testament, you're, we don't circumcise in the church today. And are you thinking I'm crazy saying that you have to be circumcised to be a Christian? No. I mean, Paul even had to correct Peter about the false teaching that was creeping into the first century church that you had to be saved and circumcised. But that wasn't wrong. In Romans 2, 29, it reads, As a person... Just one second, got to rethink this. On the contrary... A person who is a Jew, who is one inward and circumcised of the heart by the Spirit, not the letter, that man's praise is not from men, but from God. Paul is saying that the Holy Spirit circumcises our heart. And this was not just for men. This is for both men and women. One of the things that is really interesting about the first century church is that prior to Jesus' time, it was only the men. But if you look at Jesus' ministry throughout even the Acts and the new church, women are put at the same level as men. 
In Acts 16, 17, it says, one of those who were listening was a woman from the city, I can't say that word, named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. And she was a worshiper of God and opened her heart in response to Paul's message. This is the circumcision. This is the time that God is shaping you and inching you towards him. So that takes care of the circumcision. What about the sacrifice? And you all know the answer, that one. But let's get into the scripture. In Hebrews 9.28, it reads, So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. In 1 Corinthians 5.7, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. What about baptism of becoming a member of the Jewish nation? We are not becoming Jews, but we are becoming his people. We are his children. I am a child of God. And I always kind of wondered about that. How can I say that I am a child of God? Yes, I've accepted him as my Savior. But that's a pretty bold statement to say that I am a child of God. But as I kind of started digging into this, I started to realize that there's more to that statement than I've ever kind of realized. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, for we were all baptized by one spirit so that we, so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. In Galatians 3, 26 and 27, it says, So in Christ Jesus, we were all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ and having clothed yourself with Christ. I like how John Piper puts it. John Piper talks about it this way, and I'm going to use his words so I don't mess it up. We show our faith, and we signify it, we symbolize it as an act of baptism. And here's John's analogy. At a wedding, using the old words, we used to say things like, with this ring, I thee wed. What do we mean by that when we say that? With this ring, I thee wed. We don't mean that by putting on the ring on the finger that marries us. 
It's, no, it's the covenant that we make to each other that marries us. The ring is symbolic of that covenant. So, the same is in baptism. Faith unites us with Christ. Baptism, symbolized by the ring, with this baptism, I thee wed. So with this baptism, you are united to Christ. This is what Paul means when he talks about baptism in Romans. The same way that when I married Jamie and I gave her the ring and I said, with this ring, I make these promises. But I'm not promising on the ring. When I give my life to the Lord, I'm saved by faith alone that no one can boast. But I want the world to know the same way that I want the world to know, unfortunately, my fingers got fat and I can't wear my ring anymore. I want the world to know that I'm married to my wife. The same way I want to tell the world that I am a child of God and I am united with Him through His sacrifice and His resurrection, I am saved. That is why... Sorry, I need a Kleenex, please. That is why we use baptism as a symbol. And it means more to me now that I understand that it's significant in the way that it was a ritual for becoming a member of the Jewish nation. We are becoming members of his body. So let me ask you a question. Who should be baptized? Can anyone get baptized? There's really only one proper candidate for Bible baptism. It is a person who has already received Jesus Christ into their heart by faith. In Acts 2.41, we read, Then they that gladly received the word were baptized. And the same day they were added upon them by 3,000 souls. Notice that they first received the word and then were baptized. Baptized does not save us because we can only be saved by faith. Now, if you keep reading in Acts, you might actually come with understanding that baptism washes away sin. 
the same way that we look in the Old Testament that baptism was used for ceremony cleaning. But baptism is not the act of salvation. Only the blood of Jesus washes away sin. In Ephesians 1.7, in him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins in accordance with all the riches of God's grace. So why baptism? Because the last thing that Jesus commanded us to do is be baptized. We baptize because we want to show the world that I belong to him. We baptize because by that symbol, we're also saying, I am putting away my old self and I am becoming a new. The same way that when Jesus was talking about a new birth, being born again. That's why we use that term. I don't know if you're baptized, but if you're not and you believe in him, I encourage you to go talk to Doug. I'm excited to see the girls baptized this summer. When it comes to what age is appropriate for baptism, it should come to the point where they understand their own faith. It should be at a point where they can make the decision and then the understanding that who they are in Christ. Now, some people ask the question, well, what if I was baptized as a kid? Do I need to get baptized again? Well, the truth is, Jesus only died once for us. Now, that's not being said. The people have not rededicated their vows later in the marriage ceremonies. The same way it's not a hindrance if you need to be baptized or want to be baptized again. But if you have those questions, I encourage you to talk to Doug. Make an appointment with him and ask him about it. He loved to have a time and talk with you guys. I want to end with this one thing. Baptism may not save you may only be symbolic and it's only a confession of your faith but I give you a slight warning prepare yourself many times we have seen that when you confess and you make a public declaration that I am a child of God there's others that are listening to and when the devil knows that you're for the Jesus, he's going to try to attack you. That's not a discouraging word. It means you're on the right track. But it just means prepare. It just means keep strong in your faith to him. Remember, yes, I am a child of God.